Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We are lawyers, mothers, and hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. Just as we differ in political philosophy, we've arranged our lives in very different ways, from our careers to where we live to our choices around marriage and family. But we have more in common than divides us. In a world that increasingly defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. Choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Life. It is just me, Sarah, here today sharing my interview with Ann Bogle. I think everyone is really going to love it. Ann and I talk about decision fatigue. We talk about getting things done, externalizing what's in your head and her approaches to all that from meal choices to wardrobe choices to how to pick your next book, which is sort of her level of expertise as the host of What Should I Read Next? So I hope you really enjoy my interview with Ann Bogle. Ann Bogle, welcome to The Nuanced Life. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy you're here, Ann Vogel, the blogger extraordinaire at Modern Mrs. Darcy and podcaster extraordinaire at What Should I Read Next and author extraordinaire of Reading People. Oh, that's too long. That's when you know you're doing too much when your bio takes 14 minutes to read. But extraordinaire after everyone makes it better. Well, thank you. You're the greatest. Ann has an amazing book called Reading People that you should go listen to us talk about on fancy politics because I'm going to make her talk about a blog post she just wrote that I was so (laughs) obsessed with that speaks to me on a deep soul level. And it was called seven ways I'm minimizing decision fatigue in my daily life. Decision fatigue is a plague on my house. (laughs) Plague on my house. Oh, I'm laughing because I so relate. I just, I struggle so, so much. And I think, what are you on the Enneagram? You're not a one, are you? I'm a nine. You're a nine. That wonder mm-hmm. how, I mean, we're clearly we're close. I think I struggle I'm with I'm a it nine because... who is gifted at seeing all the possibilities in every yes. given situation. So like, It's yeah. not even, mine is because I want to get the decision right because I'm a one. I want it to be the right decision, the perfect decision. Like when Beth and I were just, we're traveling right now together and we were just talking about like, she wants to just wonder. That makes me want to vomit. I want to do the research. (laughs) I want to click off every most important thing you're supposed to see. I want to eat at the best restaurant and I want to order the best thing on the menu. Like, so every decision needs to be right, which is why decisions stress me out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing way to live, but it's also exhausting. It is exhausting. So let's talk about how you are addressing the decision fatigue in your life. First, you say you're eating the same thing every day. Tell me about this. 
This is true. Wait, can we start by saying this is a journey? Because I am laughing through everything you say about living in the perpetual state of overwhelm because I really think that's me by nature. Uh, Mm. Like if I want to raise my blood pressure really quickly, I can imagine back when Amazon did like buy two books, get the third one free. And I'd choose my two books and then I'd just like agonize over what the third book would be. So, or, um, you know, standing in the grocery aisle debating between like 47 kinds of strawberry jelly. Like I just can't. So yeah, I hear you. Um, oh, eat the same thing. So you've been tackling this journey. This journey is, this is, these are some of the ways you've been tackling it. Yes. Yes, it is. Realizing that, yeah, there's a little bit of, so there's a little bit of personality here. There's a little bit of normal human nature, you know, to Mm -hmm. not want to do stupid stuff. Like that's most of us Everybody in the Enneagram gets decision fatigue. That's just, that's just a thing that exists. Some of us just, I think, suffer under the weight of it more than others. Yeah. Like it is a thing for human beings to, you only have so much mental energy to do things with and decisions are many of those things that occupy your daily life. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've been looking for ways to streamline. And one of them is to eat the same thing. Uh, which sounds so boring to most people. And maybe it is sometimes, I don't know. But like when you can wake up in the morning and just make your breakfast the same way that you make your coffee, like you don't think about it, you just do it. It's so much easier. So yeah, every day for breakfast, it changes a little, but like assuming we have avocados that are ripe and ready to go in the house, it's some kind of egg and avocados. It's almost always two fried eggs over medium with some sliced avocado. And if we don't have avocado, then often it's Trader Joe's guac because I love Trader Joe's because it's tiny. And they don't have, like, their business model is to not offer you tons of decisions. That's Because that's true. expensive for them. Yeah. So I love it. I can buy groceries for a family of six in, like, 16 minutes, which Ooh, is amazing. Awesome. And I like Kroger because they have, like, the weird kind of brands of stuff. And I like Whole Foods because there I can get the peanut butter that my whole family adores. I get mad decision fatigue at Whole Foods. And I'll go, I go into Whole Foods and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I need to try mm-hmm. every single thing mm-hmm. one at a time in this entire store. Right. So I love those places, but that doesn't mean that it's maybe the best use of my mental energy on any given day when I actually have stuff to do, especially creative work, you know, that takes a lot of headspace. So yeah, same thing for lunch. So it's been cold out around here for a really long time. And Will and I have been eating red curry for lunch every day we've been at home, unless we have leftovers that like have to be eaten. It's our job as parents to eat the leftovers. Yeah. I love a leftover for lunch though. I feel strongly. And cause that feels like not decision fatigue to me. Like I don't have to make the decision. There are leftovers. That exactly. Done. Exactly. Or a lot of times we have leftovers like leftover grilled chicken or whatever, or leftover veggies that go in our red curry. So it's not always exactly the same because if you go to a restaurant that serves curry, there's often many, many different kinds. It's just a combination of soup saucy stuff because that sounds super attractive and appealing when I describe it like that and you know protein and veggies and we just pile it all in and have it for lunch and it's easy peasy but now the weather's changing so we just took a road trip and I think for 60 miles in West Virginia we talked about okay what is what is the warm weather daily lunch going to (laughs) be and I think it's going to be salad with chicken or some other kind of protein and um, nuts same kind of dressing probably or whatever's in the fridge. That's easy. Oil and vinegar if we're out. Like this is not hard. 
and some kind of, I don't know, I love like dried cranberries or dried cherries or something like that. Avocado, if we have it, you can see what our favorite things are. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing about eating the same thing like that. So I did the whole 30 several years ago, ever since then, I've eaten eggs every morning for breakfast. I do try to take the advice of Laura Vandekamp and I think about my life in weeks instead of days, which I found very helpful. So sometimes I'll just change it per week. And just for an added layer of one perfectionism control, I like to look at Alicia Vitti's MyFlow app. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. No, no, I'm not. She's amazing. She's like very much like you should do, like you should organize your life around your menstrual cycle. Go with me here. And so like, in the beginning, she's like, this is what your hormones are doing. You're better suited for like new tasks. And this is the food you need to eat. Or like this point in your cycle, you need to eat a lot of this kind of vegetable and fruit to clear the estrogen out of your system quicker and all these different things. So a lot of times I'll say, okay, this is where I am. So she'll recommend the veggies. I'm like, I have like a couple veggies I eat with eggs. So I'll eat spinach with eggs. I'll eat um, avocado with eggs. I'll eat sweet potato with eggs. Those are my main three. Sometimes cherry tomatoes if I'm being really lazy. And so I look at her little list and I'm like okay this week I'll do spinach because that'll help clear it out or whatever so I do I like to do it per week that helps me with my decision fatigue too Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then also I like that because it's just like it feels like just a little bit enough of change but the reason I really like to do it that way is when you eat something like that for breakfast and especially like if I could get on your lunch schedule that would be really good for me I think because then you know (laughs) like you know you're getting your vegetables like you just know like that serving is in the bag. Like you don't have to think about, you don't have to sit down. Like my worst feeling is when I sit down and like, we've had a really busy day. So we're eating pizza for dinner. And I think, Oh my gosh, I haven't had a single vegetable all day long. You know what I mean? Like that I feel crummy. Then I feel shame and guilt. And so like when I know when I eat breakfast like that, I'm like, I know I at least had one vegetable if nothing else. Yeah, for real. So also you really like Alicia Vitti's resource. So basically you made the decision that you're outsourcing a lot of your food decisions to her. Oh yeah, and that's so true. She's like, like decision, dramatically yeah. narrowed your options. Decision fatigue is such a good way. Like that's a right good way. Like outsource it to something that picks for you. I never thought about that way. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. I also liked what you said about your dinner, how your decision, the next thing you do is almost the same, you say, or almost the same thing. And you're applying the same principle a little more loosely to dinner. Tell us about that. Well, okay, so our linchpin of the week is Friday because that almost never changes. Friday is pizza night forever and ever. Amen. Mm. We always do the same thing on Sundays. And then we haven't done this recently, but I'm thinking about going back. But we used to have, like, we totally riff Panera's You Pick Two, where it was soup, salad, sandwich. You pick two of the three and have that on Monday. And we used to have pasta on Tuesdays. We don't really eat pasta anymore, so, so this has changed. Or we'd have... We'd have like something meat heavy on Wednesdays. Uh, We'd have something uh, like we have burrito bowls all the time. Or the kids will have like quesadillas or burritos. But Will and I don't really eat a lot of tortilla kind of stuff. Taco Tuesday is so easy to remember. Yeah, Taco Tuesday is so easy. And no meat. We we try to do mm -hmm. meatless Monday. That's easy to remember too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super easy. And you probably have the same kind of things you tend to go to. Or sometimes recently, I haven't cooked from cookbooks regularly for a while, but just that used to be a really fun creative outlet for me to try something new. And I don't know that I've had a lot of that mental energy to spare. But recently we were having people over for dinner. So I picked up 
the new Smitten Kitchen cookbook because I love her, Deb Perlman, and I bought it when it came out to support her and to give me something pretty to look at, even though I had no intention of cooking this stuff. But <laughs> um, we tried a couple recipes when we were having guests, and I was just sick of serving the same old thing. And it was a Saturday. I felt like I could loosen up and pour a glass of wine and actually cook my way through a new recipe. And I just loved her like easy weeknight meals. So I thought, you know what, I might just cook my way through this on one easy night of the week. Because sometimes when my kids come home from school, like I have older kids, they're now eight to 15. Like being in the kitchen cooking is a way to kind of like be there and be occupied, but also be available and accessible to talk to my kids if they're hanging out in the kitchen or doing their homework nearby or something. So that's a good time for me to cook through a recipe. And if all I'm going to do is turn the page and start the next one, that's you know, I'm doing something interesting and different creative, but I made the decision like back in February that I was just going to cook through this in order. I did that. I did that with a cake cookbook. I used to make a ton of cakes and I would just cook through, I just picked that cake book and that's the cake book I worked through. And I, I bounced around randomly, which was its own sort of pressure. So this, I've got her other version of it's the, the cake mix doctor. I love those cookbooks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I use them. And now I'm doing her, the, I did the chocolate one and now I'm doing the regular one and I'm just trying to go through in order. It does it like just, just, I don't, it's such a silly thing. It doesn't seem like it should have such an impact, but it's just like when you want to do something new in particular, like you said, like try something new, just removing the decision fatigue of like picking out, like getting started. Like that first, that first step really does, really does help. Right, right, right. It's like you have the energy and the will and the desire to do the thing, but not to decide what thing to do and then plan how to do the thing. Like you just want to get to it. Mm-hmm. So if you can minimize those steps to get to it, so you can actually do the thing, your life will be um, a little more fun and a little less taxing. So the next one you talk about is daily routines. And I like some of yours because they feel like triggers to me. Triggers help me remember stuff because I'm really bad at externalizing. Mm -hmm. And so routines that help me trigger like, okay, now it's time to do this instead of trying to remember it help a lot. So tell me about your daily routines. So (laughs) like so many of your listeners, I bet I make coffee every morning. I open my bullet journal and see what's on for the day. And then I sit down and I used to sit down at the computer and write, write, away, like work on my most important creative work. But then I started going to 6am workouts outside the house. So now I've started this routine where I tackle three nasty emails. And by nasty, I mean, just the kind of things that I put off the day before usually like scheduling and coordinating and stuff like that. By nasty, I mostly mean time consuming. That's how those words correlate in my mind. So, um, you know, the kind of emails I get and I think, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to wait to respond to that until there's a good time for me to write it. Mm -hmm. And Sarah, that's a recipe for disaster to me because if I wait until there's a good time to send an email, then I never send the email until Mm -hmm. I started doing this thing where now, so before I go to 6 a.m. workout, I wake up, I make my coffee, I look at my journal and I tackle three emails. Uh, I've also found that's a good time to email people because if you send something at 530, it looks like you mean business when that timestamp is uh, on the email, but also it doesn't hit people. It doesn't hit other people in the middle of their afternoon slump. So true. So So I think that's a good thing too. And then like I come back, I get ready for the day. I get my kids off to the school. And then when everybody's gone, like it is time to get down to work the end. But these are seasonal because I I may very well, like based on past experience, decide that, you know what, I really need to walk the dog early mm. in the day. Right now I do it at two in the afternoon when my mental energy is just 
gone. That's a really slumpy time for me where I can like push and push and push to get like thinking work done. And it's a waste of time because I can't think at two o'clock in the afternoon, but I can walk the dog and like, you know, let my mind go in a different direction or listen to a podcast or an audio book or something. But I don't want to walk the dog when it's 92 degrees and like 140% humidity in Louisville, Kentucky. So I hate that things shift based with the seasons, but they really do. We did a whole podcast on rituals and seasons. And there's a part of me that loves that. Like, I love the year changing. I love that it's a, like we talked to Sarah by the season and we talked about, you know, like staying more indoors in the winter and all that stuff. But there is a part of me, like the one in me that's like, no, I'm going to find the perfect daily routine and I'm going to do it until I'm 85. I know that is totally unreasonable. Like my life is going to change, but there's just, it's the <laughs> It's the decision fatigue. Like, I don't want to have to decide on how to improve my routine all the time. Right, right, right. Because rituals can be so freeing, but I have to remember to hold them loosely, like, because it only serves me if it actually serves me. Oh, I know, but it's so hard. I wanted to, I I want to find the first, I want to find the perfect app and the perfect life planner. Although I've been with the bullet journal. I've been with the bullet journal for a while. I think we're soulmates. We're, We're good to go. I'm on my second. I never ha- know how to pronounce the German journal. How do you pronounce it? It's a Leuchtturm. Leuchtturm. So I'm on my second one of those. I really love them. I'm like, we're, we're together. We're in it together. I hear you. So I'm not constantly in pursuit of like the one perfect everything, but because of my, like something I've learned about my personality is that I really resist structure. Like I don't want to do the same thing at the same time every day, but Oh, also that I am not naturally gifted at creating a structure, but I've seen time and time again that when I do implement structures in my life, uh, they serve me really, really well. See, I love structure and my stupid life won't stay still long enough. (laughs) Well, that's where I feel conflicted because creating structure is hard for me. And when your life changes based on the seasons or Uh, something like that, then you have to, your structure has to adapt and that's tricky. So it's an inherent tension, but it's worth it. That's why I'm talking about why it's hard (laughs) because to remind you that it really is worth it. It is hard, believe it. Okay, so the next thing you do is you say you establish hard edges to your day. And I do remember this from Lauren Vanderkap's book and I thought it was so good. And I've told, I was telling Beth the other day that like I try to really have a hard stop. And now that I have like a really beautiful home office I love and it has these glass French doors and I try to like walk out of the office and close the doors. And I'm telling you, if I don't close them all the way, if I just leave them open like three inches, it will mess with me and I will find my way back in there. I have to close That's really good to know. the door. Yeah, because it means, I mean, apparently that means something to your brain. Yeah. yeah. So how do you use hard edges? Is it that same thing? Just making sure like when I'm done with work, I'm done with work? Yes. Like I, this week has been weird, like because I recorded a podcast last night because it's the only time we could do it. But usually like work time ends at when my kids get home from school, basically. Yeah. So, and I, you know, that means my work day is shorter than I would like, but what I've really tried to do is do those like kind of those activities that kind of look like leisure activities. Like I do a ton of reading for work, or even if I'm endorsing somebody's book, I'm still like reading on the couch, but that computer does not open Mm. after my kids are home from school. So there's two reasons there. There's the personal reason, like I want to be present and not just mom on her laptop all the time at the kitchen counter, which I think I was doing yesterday afternoon because it was a really unusual day. And this happens sometimes because your routine is supposed to serve you, not like handcuff you. But also I think there's a point of diminishing returns for me and also for everybody else. But, you know, I, I know in my own life that past a certain point in the day, I'm 
you know, I may be putting in the hours and only getting 70% out of it that I would at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So, so don't do it. (laughs) It's seven o'clock at night. So the next thing you do is you create if then rules, sort of like the triggers. But here was my question when I read the post. So you say, you're much more likely to follow through on a good intentions if you use if then planning. If X happens, then I will do Y. If then allows you to decide your course of action in advance because you're tired or stressed or swamped. So if you pour a cup of coffee, then you pour a glass of water. So how often are these just like triggers? And how often are these are like temptation bundling sort of like rewards? Like if I do, then I get to do this. Oh, interesting. Because I do that a lot too. Like if I'm folding laundry, I put on an audiobook always. Mm-hmm. It So in the post, I was thinking about just triggers. Yeah. I was thinking about what you're basically doing is making a decision in advance about activities that go together. Right. So like I don't drink enough water or I didn't used to drink enough water, but then I read something that said, surprisingly, one of the best things, two of the best things you can do for brain health, take a 20 minute walk every day, which is good for you in all kinds of other ways also. And drink enough water. And I was like, oh my goodness. It's like long-term mental health really that easy. And no, like there's a million other things you could be doing, but talk about simple and actionable. Mm. Like that was super motivating to me to drink my water. But if I pour a cup of coffee or a cup of black tea, I pour a glass of water. If my water bottle is empty, I fill it just because that's how that gets done for me. If I'm at Trader Joe's for the first time in a week, I buy the fresh flowers every time. Like in advance, I know that makes my life better to have those in the house unless our peonies are blooming. Like they're starting to grow now and I'm watching them every day thinking like, when did these bloom last year? The first year we were in our new house, like how, how long will it be until I be, can be cutting those and bringing them into the kitchen. But if four o'clock in the afternoon hits and I haven't walked the dog for whatever reason, like it is time to get outside unless it is hailing just these things that you've already decided in advance. If X happens, then you will do Y. Okay. Because then you don't have to think about it. You don't have to decide if you feel like it or if it's worth it or, Sarah, if it's the absolute best use of your time right now. Because that's what you, yeah. yeah. you just do it. Yeah. You just do it. Because if there's, there's always something that's going to just like you could argue yourself into being more important. Yeah. Or you can stand there feeling conflicted about what you're going to do. You can waste five minutes deciding and then you can be second guessing yourself while you're doing the whatever thing. Not that I've ever done that. Um, <laughs> this week. But if you know, if you have the rule for yourself, it's just it's what you do. It, you right. don't have to have an existential crisis about what you're doing. You just do it. Well, that's a good transition to the next one. If it incites decision angst, drop it. So tell us about this one. Well, a few years ago, we dropped our Costco membership because and now it's back because thank you, Costco, you opened another store in the Louisville market. But it was like a two hour ordeal to go to Costco because I had Mm. to find a time. Well, like the big thing was I had to decide when I wanted to go or when Will wanted to go. And I'd be like, oh, what if we went on Thursday? What if we went on Friday? Could we fit it in then? Like I'd be, I'd be running, listening to music and I'd find myself trying to figure out when I was going to go to Costco. So (laughs) if it's taking over your brain like that, just do it. Actually, a month ago, I would be at 6 a.m. workout thinking, I need more leggings. Now I'm working out. I need leggings. I don't have any leggings. I have yoga pants. Where am I going to get my leggings? And after the third day of realizing that I was devoting my mental energy during class when I could have been thinking about like the sun that I could see in the mirror, you know, um, 
I was thinking about where to get leggings. I'm like, girl, you have just got to go get some leggings. So <laughs> I had yoga pants I love from Lululemon. So I went to Lulu and I got my leggings. And at first I was like, they're really expensive. Are they really the best? Are they still going to fit? Does it really matter? Do I? I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter. I can knock out this errand in 12 minutes because I'm going to be by the mall. So that was maybe not the best use of my monetary resources, but it got the job done. And now it's 6am workouts. I am not thinking about where I'm going to get leggings. And we just kind of hit on this with the grocery store. Kroger has all the options and I don't need all the, all options. the options. We have a wonderful local bookstore instead of thinking like, oh, am I going to get this book from here? I'm going to get this book from there. I just go to the bookstore. If my kids need a book for school and the library doesn't have it, um, like we, we just put in an order for, for their books, especially at the local bookstore. And we do it immediately. I don't think about it. I don't obsess about it. I don't look around thinking, you know, like, is there somebody they could borrow it from? Is there whatever? Do they really need it? Like we just do it. I think that that that's for me. I don't know. I, I mean, I know other people use Amazon for other reasons, but that is like, that must be Amazon's business model because that's what I do so often. I'm like, I need this. I'm not going to figure out where I can go buy it in person. It's not that important to me that I find the best one or the cheapest one because it's just not that expensive. So I buy it on Amazon and I move on with my life. I do, I'm actually pretty good with that about purchases. Like I'm not going to run myself ragged making sure like that I'm getting the best one. I use I use Wirecutter a lot. Do you ever use the Wirecutter site? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's the best. It's a, it used to Wirecutter was a website. Then they started this website called Sweet Home. Well, the New York Times bought both of them, so now it's just Wirecutter by New York Times. But it's like the new hip version of consumer reports because consumer reports you have to pay for it, and I'm not doing that. And so they go and they test all the products and they tell you how they test them and they'll just tell you the best one. Sometimes they'll tell you the second best one. Sometimes they'll tell you like the budget pick and they have everything like appliances, home products, tech products. So when, you know, I'm sitting and I'm like, okay, like we just did a kitchen remodel. We just bought the refrigerator, the dishwasher, everything from whatever wire cutter recommended. We're like purchased, bought. Like we just, I use them as a shortcut a lot for purchases in particular. If I need a new humidifier or if I need a new blow dryer, whatever it is, go on wire cutter, figure out which ones they recommend, buy it, move on with my life. Because mm-hmm. then you don't have to do all the research. They did it for you. They did it for me. So that's another yeah. one. I, so I'm pretty good. I guess I'm pretty good at outsourcing, but when it's like unavailable to outsource, that's when I struggle. So your last mm-hmm. tip is to limit your options. For example, I need new clothes because apparently last spring I didn't shop. Oh, here's what happened. We moved and I culled everything out of my closet that I didn't uh, like, didn't wear, didn't fit, was yeah. way out of style. But I didn't replace it because I hate to shop. I do too. Yeah. Because we get thing. decision fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really do. And also, like, there's ne- there's just never a good time. And I have to figure out when to shop. And it was really a revelation for me, like, in the past year, that online shopping still takes a lot of time. Yeah, it, it does. It really does. And then you have to deal with returns if it doesn't fit. And frequently, you know, stuff doesn't fit. Or sometimes on purpose, I'll order two sizes and keep the one that fits. So I don't go to the mall or the internet to find stuff. Like, I know last year I got great clothes that really fit me at Banana Republic. So when I needed new stuff for the spring, I just popped into Banana Republic and they didn't have everything I needed. But now I have two blouses that are not t-shirts and are not like corporate apparel that mm-hmm. I can wear. It's a start. Right. In a few weeks, they'll have more stuff. Or like there are two places I buy my jeans. The end. Maybe some, maybe sometime in the future, I will try a different kind. But I don't 
need to because there are two places that totally work and it's really okay for me if there's other stuff out there. My options are naturally limited in some ways in this area because I have ginormous feet and <laughs> I could never develop like a serious shoe habit because they don't make monolos in my size. Like I'm never going to be like Carrie Bradshaw with her like however many pairs of shoes. Uh, I never watched that show, but I've seen the scene where she like realizes how much money she spent on shoes over the years and it's yeah. fantastic. Well, when they're 400 to $500 a pop, it adds up pretty quick. Yeah, that will never be me because they don't make them in size 11 like quadruple wide. When I needed new bedding, I was totally overwhelmed by all the stuff out there, but my sister-in-law is an interior decorator and she she it's her job to know this stuff. So, said, hey, I need a new duvet. Where should I go? And she's at Pottery Barn. Actually, you yeah. want me pick out a few? And I said, yes. Please. Yes, I do. Yeah. Or just like what's for dinner. Like when we're thinking about what, what to have for din- dinner, we never think about all the options we could possibly make. Like what's in the fridge? What have we liked in the past? And uh, what what's in the next chapter of Smitten Kitchen? Also, there's um, there's different kinds of meal planning sites to different levels that also really help with that. Like um, Sunbasket is sponsoring What Should I Read Next right now. So when we got our Sunbasket shipment, we don't have to decide what are we going to have for dinner out of all the possibilities in the world. Like there are three choices in our fridge. I can handle that decision. Or I also really like Prep Dish, which sends you menus. So we don't use it every week, but some weeks where I'm like, okay, the fridge is empty. I do not want to make a meal plan and I don't know what to have and I'm tired of everything. Then I just print it out and take it to the store and it's, you know, it's done. It's easy. Yeah. So that's, I think that that's something I probably, there's some other places I could do that. Just, it's not, it's not even like removing the decision. It's just kicking it to something else, like kicking it to a Mm -hmm. book or kicking it to an expert Mm -hmm. or kicking it to a friend or something like that. So that you're out, like you said, you're outsourcing the decision. Yes. So like I need, and this can be on like really petty stuff, but petty stuff still takes your energy. It adds up, like, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have this pile of accumulating um, sweaters that need to be hand washed, but I've been washing it in the sink with uh, just like my normal Mrs. Myers detergent. And I don't really like the way it works, but my friend said like, oh, I have this wool cashmere shampoo. It's the best. And they sell it on Amazon. So I went home, I ordered it and like tackled all my stuff. I, what I need is an if then routine for my my dirty sweaters because they yeah. do pile up. But it's spring and I want to get like my whole house in order right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I don't know what that is because that's it's- not, it's really not like me. But um, my pantry that I like kind of halfway organized last summer is, has become a disaster. So I have a friend whose whose sister-in-law has an Instagram account where she organizes things with products from the container store. So I'm like, okay, it's Saturday morning. I'm going to scroll through the account for 10 minutes. I'm going to get on the container store website. I am not going to look the other places. I don't care what else is out there because I do not need to know all the options. And I looked on Pinterest briefly and it's like, how to organize with stuff from Target, how to organize with stuff from the dollar store, how to organize with the best things on the internet. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want the best (laughs) things. I just, I just need a few things. And just saying like, okay, I'm going to do it with the one store really helped me narrow it down. Or sometimes when I'm deciding what to read next, this is really difficult for me because we have so many books in this house that I have not read. And there's so much stuff I want to read. It's really overwhelming sometimes. Um, Cause I do like get completely trying not to say overwhelmed again, but that really is a the theme here. I do get overwhelmed with all the possibilities, but I have a cart 
of books that are my high priority books that I want to read next. And I don't always go to it when I'm deciding what to read next. So just reminding myself like, well, hold on. You already made these decisions like bit by bit when the mail was coming in. Just go look at your cart. Pick something from there. There are only like 12 books on the top shelf of what you want to read next high priority. So grab one. Well, here's how I outsource that decision. I use Overdrive, like <laughs> the Kentucky Unbound decision or the mm-hmm. Kentucky Unbound. Like it's like the way you check out eBooks from your local library. But there's like often a wait, especially for new books. So whenever, of course, you recommend a book, I just put it on the wait list. Like I just go in there and it's almost always you have to put a hold on it. Cool. So I put it on a hold. And then when they pop up, I got two weeks to read them. And the decision is made for me. And sometimes I'm having to read like four in two weeks and I just have to kick it into high gear. But like I just like the, the deadline of that. And then I just the book gets recommended. It goes on the wait list. When it comes up, I read it. And I did, however... There's like a bunch of books that either weren't on the wait list or there's some like actual physical books in my house I wanted to read. So the last like few months, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put any more on the hold list. I'm going to just put them on the like want to like, cause I love to keep up with Rex like that. When our listeners send us a book or you recommend a book, I'm like, okay, I want to read that. I got to keep, I can't, I have to get it out of my head that I want to read it. So I either stick it on the like want to read list there or at my local library. Cause there's some books that like, we're just getting kept cutting pushed out of the way because I was always using that as how to read next. So I've, I've actually put a pause on the hold list, but it was working like a charm for a while. Yeah. And then your system got too complicated. Mm-hmm. Well, just got, it just, I was just neglecting some books I wanted to read because there was yeah. always something popping up off the wait list. So you, you charged the library with reading, with running your reading life. Mm-hmm. I did. They're yeah. in charge of it. Now. That works. That works. So since I've got you here and I think you're so good at this, can you give me some <laughs> tips now that we've tackled decision fatigue in my life? I told you, I confessed earlier that one of my big, my big issues is externalizing the things in your head. Do you have any good tips for us before we go on how to get it out of your head so it's not taking up space yeah. like these decisions? So you're saying that you want to externalize the things in your head a little bit more? Yeah, because I either do this, like I either just leave the emails in my inbox to check, to like deal with mm-hmm. later, like use my inbox mm-hmm. as a to-do list, which mm-hmm. everybody on planet Earth tells you not to do. Or right. I just kick it around in my head and never put it somewhere. Like I can't get a good system. I have the bullet journal and I like the bullet journal, but either like it's in another room. Maybe I just need to be better at keeping my bullet journal on me. What do you do? I use post-it notes and index cards a okay. ton because I always have, you can't put a pack of post-it notes in your bullet journal or how about it's bumpy and I don't want it to be bumpy, but I always have like three or four index cards tucked in and I use those. I don't know how you feel, Sarah, but if I write down like everything I need to do in a given day on like a granular level, like email this person, email that person, tell school this, tell school that, like it becomes unmanageable. Like, yeah, And I don't like those kind of lists in my bullet journals. Mm-mm. No, me either. Me either. So that's why I use post-it notes or okay. I'll capture it on an index card. But on the post-it note, I'll write down things like um, I have to make a phone call that's literally going to take 45 seconds. That doesn't need to be on my bullet journal unless it's a call to like, I don't know, say, yes, Oprah, I will be on your show. That would be uh. in my bullet journal. But otherwise, a really quick phone call is going to be on a post-it note, something that I can just write down a few things, cross them off as I do them and throw them away. I don't need a record of that. It's not a high priority, but just the little things that feel like uh, tasks that don't take a lot of mental energy and that will not matter in a week. So do you have index cards and post-it notes like all over your house? 
I do, but that's like a sickness. That's not a, <laughs> that's a, that's a working on a book thing. Not a, I recommend this to everybody thing. Although we do have them in the places where I tend to. Yeah. That's what I mean. Be. Like I need to put some yeah. in my bedside table. And I'm yeah, well, yeah, I have them there. In my car, for sure. They're my desk. They're in my okay. car. And okay, I'm gonna work on that. They're in my I will kitchen. Report back. Yeah, I will report back. Okay, I'm gonna try that. So you know, David Allen, the big productivity guy, yeah. says that we we use up more mental energy than we need to. That we could better be using for other things when our brain feels like we need to manage things. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. don't forget to call the dentist. Don't forget to call the dentist. Like that thought is going to be circling in your head. So you need to capture it in a place that you trust, that you know you will see, so that your brain can just let it go. I know. I'm, that's what I'm that, really, That's what you're I, talking about, it, right? Yes. I've read it a million times. Like, I know the advice. If it takes, like, mm-hmm. like when you said 45-second phone call, I was thinking, well, if it takes less than two minutes, you should do it. <laughs> that's his advice as well. Like, I know the advice, but... I think I was struggling with wanting to put it in one place. And you're right. Maybe mm-hmm. I should just let go of that and put it in. I've even heard your advice about the dang post-it notes before. But like, I think I'm really, I think the idea of keeping the post-it notes or some like pieces of paper around so that I can get it out of my head and then stick it in the journal later. So it's all in one place and I'm checking it off. That's, that's helpful. All right. Tough love advice. Tell you me. don't have to feel like it. Sometimes you just have to like buck up and do it because this is the thing for me. I'll be like, but I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if you want to. Just do it. It's the best thing. I mean, you eat your vegetables. Think of it like eating your vegetables. And you drink the water. You're not excited about it, but then you're glad you did and your life is better. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. At a certain point, you can't hack your way out. You just have to do it. Have to do it. Sometimes knowing that's a true thing. Yeah. Oh, that is tweetable. At a certain point, you can't hack your way out of it. You just have to do it. Oh, and Bogle, that's where we're ending the show. That is such good advice. Thank you so much for coming on the Nuance Life and helping me with my personal decision fatigue and externalization (laughs) problem. I want to report back. I will definitely. I'll come. I either need to come back on What Should I Read Next or Beth needs to come. I don't think Beth's done What Should I Read Next. You have Beth on. She has not. So we'll have to do that next. So tell us where um, tell where everyone can find you and um, what's coming up next in Laura and Mrs. Darcy Land. Oh, wait. Hold on. First, I need to say that Laura Vanderkam has a new book coming out in May, and I think you're really going to like it. It's called Off the Clock. That's I'm good. so excited. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. I That's loved good. her first book. The 168 Hours. No, wait. I loved her second, third book. I don't know. The, I know how she does it. That book was excellent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. She was just in Louisville for the first time because I feel like she's one of the first people I met on the internet, but she was in town and we got to meet in person. And you, I will always think like, if you're not lovely, this is going to be really disappointing. But she was lovely. So if that was good to hear too. Good to, good to experience. Yeah. Um, oh, what's happening? So summer reading guide season is nearly Ooh, upon yeah, us. Dang, we're almost That's coming there, out the we? beginning of May. We You're are gonna almost there. You're going to blow up my there. old list again. I'm ready because there's some good stuff coming out, Sarah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. So, although we have a weird number of books that were kind of sleepers in January that I think flew beneath the radar. This was a really great winter, like January, February, March for uh, fiction, especially. And Ooh. so I'm excited to include some of those too that will be easier to get from your library. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because it's hard to get those new books in the summer if that's how people are getting their books. And we have so many people who read so many books. We have a lot of avid library users. So Summer Reading Guide is coming out. My book, I'd Rather Be Reading, The Delights and Dilemmas of the Reading Life is coming out September 4th. And we will be announcing those pre-order bonuses we're putting together about the time the Summer Reading Guide comes out. Oh, I just recorded a really fun episode of What Should I Read Next last night where we're talking all about books written by women, especially overlooked titles. Lots of fun recommendations there for readers who want to dive in. And yeah, 
all the summer reading stuff is coming. I'm so up. excited. I love the summer reading guide. Yeah, I'm so glad. And we're putting together our summer reading book club selections for the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. And we're um, talking with authors about coming on and choosing the books we're going to read. And I'm really excited about what's coming up. So everybody go to modernmrsdarcy.com to find out about all those amazing things coming out of In Vogue World. Writer extraordinaire, blogger extraordinaire, and podcaster extraordinaire. I just want to do that one more time. <laughs> I'll make new cards immediately. Thank you so much, Anne. It was a pleasure. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I felt immediately more productive after that conversation. My home is now populated by index cards and notepads and post-it notes. So I'm really excited about taking this new approach to preventing decision fatigue. I hope you heard tips that helped you and enjoyed Anne. And until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. 